welcome to Fresh Fusion, a weekly show where we discuss the business, the art, the ethics of content creation and consumption on the open web and the Fediverse. My name is Jared White, and this is episode 101, Cruising on the Redwood Highway. In case you're wondering, I'm referencing the Redwood Highway because I used to live in Northern California. I spent most of my life there, only a few miles away at any given time from Highway 101, which was nicknamed the Redwood Highway. And it does indeed have many redwoods planted all along it as you drive through Sonoma County, up into Mendocino County, and eventually Humboldt County, where plenty of giant redwoods abound. So, of course, as I got here to episode 101, I had to reference Highway 101, the Redwood Highway, because it had such an effect on me uh, growing up and living in Northern California. But here I am today in Portland, so we'll <laughs> move right along to our next topic. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, the last episode, episode 100, where we finally reached the three digits, uh, it was really fun. I got to talk to Maria Delano, and it was just a fabulous conversation about uh, about her experience as an internet marketer, joining Mastodon, learning about the Fediverse, uh, getting a feel for where this is all going, uh, the rise of threads, what does that mean? Uh, just all kinds of good conversation there. So I almost want to say, don't listen to this episode, go listen to episode 100, <laughs> and then come back to this episode uh, if you have not listened to 100 already, because it was just so awesome. Uh, but if you have, then great, we'll go on with the program here today. So I'd like to comment on some very exciting news. The news that the BBC, yes, that BBC, Keep Calm and Carry On, Tower of London, Union Jack, Big Ben. I'm, I'm just randomly throwing out uh, British words here. <laughs> I sound like an idiot. But uh, yes, that BBC uh, has joined the Fediverse. They have set up their own Mastodon instance at social.bbc. Yes, they somehow managed to get their own top-level domain. Uh, if you're interested in Top-level domains. I've actually recorded an episode. I feel like such a nerd right now. <laughs> I actually recorded an episode all about top-level domains with my friend Ayush. Uh, you can go check that out at justaspec.show. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, yes, they have their own top-level domain of BBC. So their social media platform now powered by Mastodon is social.bbc, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, this is a new experiment, and I'm just going to read through some selections from their blog post, because I think it's really worth uh, discussing and commenting on, because I feel like it, it's actually a pretty big deal for the Fediverse. So the post starts, As the social media landscape ebbs and flows, the team at BBC Research and Development are researching social technologies and exploring possibilities for the BBC. One part of our work is to establish a BBC presence in the distributed collection of social networks known as the Fediverse, a collection of social media applications all linked together by common protocols. The most common software used in this area is Mastodon, a Twitter-like social networking service with around 2 million active monthly users. 
We are now running an experimental BBC Mastodon server at social.bbc. And they continue here. Mastodon is a federated social network. Federated social networks aren't controlled by one organization. Federation means that anyone can run a server and host users. And each server can offer its own moderation and membership rules, but all the servers can connect to each other. This model is more like email, where you can email anyone, but as an individual, you choose which email provider you want to use. Federated social networks, or the Fediverse, offer a model for future development that aligns with our own work to support a public service internet and our previous work on decentralized data. The principles of the Fediverse, with an emphasis on local control, quality content, and social value, are far more aligned with our public purposes than those of avowedly commercial networks like Threads or Twitter. Other public service and nonprofit organizations already have a presence there, from the Dutch government to Wikimedia to the EU. And then they go on to explain some of the challenges that they foresee in this endeavor. As a large, high-profile public service organization, we've had to work through a fair number of issues to get this far, and we've had advice and support from several teams across the BBC. Explaining the federated model can be a challenge, as people are much more familiar with the centralized model of ownership. We've had to answer questions like, are we running our own social network? Well, we're kind of hosting a small section of a social network. And are we hosting a user's content? Well, we don't allow users to create accounts or posts from our server, but they can reply to our posts from their own servers. And then their posts will appear next to ours, and then they might be stored on our server, and it all gets quite complicated. Anyway, they go on to talk a little bit about moderation and the fact that this is an experiment. Essentially, they're going to try running this new service for six months and then kind of sit back and assess how it's been going and, and what they might want to do from there. And in theory, at the end of this six months, they could decide to shut this down. Uh, and other news organizations in the past have shut down their presence uh, in the Fediverse, but, um, but many other organizations continue on to this very day. So, so who knows how this will all turn out. But I think it's a big deal. I think it's a really big deal that an organization with such a widely understood presence in the world, not, not just in England or the UK, but far and wide across the world, uh, you know, the, the BBC is, is, you know, like them or not, a very recognizable organization, a very recognizable brand. Uh, I think a lot of people turn to the BBC to get news and information uh, again, all around the world, not just in the UK. Um, so seeing an organization like this, you know, set up shop in the Fediverse feels like a really big deal. You know, it's like, think of one of our top news organizations uh, here where I live in America, suddenly joining the Fediverse, you know, like what if, what if the New York Times suddenly set up nytimes.social or something or <laughs> social.nyt and, and did this exact kind of experiment. Uh, that would be a really big deal. You know, uh, folks in the Fediverse have been saying for a long time that news organizations sh should set up their own instances. I mean, essentially any large company probably should set up their own instance, but news organizations in particular, it just makes so much sense, right? Because when you think about it, 
The fact that as a news organization, you would have your top journalists and your and your top, you know, article promotions and whatnot, uh, just like attached to some commercial social networking service you have virtually no control over. Uh, uh, Twitter, formerly formerly known as Twitter, anyway. We'll we'll get to that later. Uh, you know, Threads, Facebook, whatever. Like, like all all of your activity in social media on the internet, like all going through some other commercial entity you have very little control over, it's kind of bananas, right? Like it really is bananas. I mean, think about newspapers historically, you know, they would run their own printing presses, they'd have their own local distribution. Like like you as a subscriber to the newspaper had a pretty direct relationship with that newspaper. And, you know, big TV stations, like the, like the TV station and the TV channels and, like, all the distribution, like, it, it was all intertwined in business relationships that, you know, would benefit the, the producers of the news and the content on the TV, the TV stations, the distributors, like, it was all, it was all part of that business, all part of that industry. And then when you have newspapers and shows and whatnot getting on the internet and setting up their own websites, again, they're in control of their distribution online. And sure, it's been it's been a, a, a big problem over time to, you know, figure out like the balance between, you know, putting all your stuff on your website for free or setting up paywalls and charging folks. Like that's all been a headache. Sure. But at least like when you go to the website for the New York Times and read an article, you are on a website run by the New York Times. Just like if you subscribe to their newspaper, you would be delivered a newspaper printed by the New York Times. Then you go onto a commercial network, a commercial social media platform on the internet, and, you know, read a post read an X, <laughs> whatever it's called, reading a post on Facebook, reading a thread on threads, like whatever it is, you, you're, you're not reading something that's been directly presented to you by that company. You are on somebody else's website. You are part of some other distribution mechanism and a little bit of space there is getting rented, essentially. A little bit of space there is getting rented by uh, the company that's providing you this information. And that feels super weird, right? That, that feels super weird. Like, imagine if, if the New York Times <laughs> wasn't actually printing out a newspaper and delivering it to you. They were providing some articles that would then get printed by some other company in sort of an aggregate form, right? Like, like here's a newspaper of articles from a lot of other uh, newspapers. Don't, don't get their newspapers. Get our newspaper that's just an aggregation of all their newspapers, and then we'll sell that to you. And yeah, I know. Somebody's going to come along right now and say, what about Associated Press? Like, just roll with me, okay? <laughs> you don't subscribe to the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever. You subscribe to uh, newspaper book gram. 
<laughs> and that gets delivered to you, and it's just sort of an amalgamation of a bunch of random articles from other newspapers. Why would all of those source papers really want to do that? Because they're they're losing their customer base. They're losing that relationship. They're losing that control. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But somehow that's what ended up happening in social media. So, you know, along comes the Fediverse, along comes ActivityPub and the rise of Mastodon, et cetera, et cetera. And so many folks have been saying like, hey, this is the perfect opportunity. This is the perfect opportunity for news organizations around the world to set up their own instances, set up their own instances and join the Fediverse and they get to control it. They get to control it. Their journalists can set up accounts on their instances, you know, their various uh, beats and, and policy boards and whatnot, their, their various columns and shows and whatnot, could all set up accounts on services that they're running. And people can go follow those accounts from their own presence in the Fediverse. It makes a whole ton of sense. It really does. But, you know, as always with these things, there's a question of, does it end up costing them a lot of money? And do they have the IT infrastructure to, to manage this stuff and run this stuff? And, you know, is there the political will to keep it up or whatever, when maybe the audience numbers aren't that high to begin with? You know, like, <laughs> if you're the BBC and you have even a few thousand or a few tens of thousands of followers, does that make any sense at all when you could be somewhere else and have hundreds of thousands or even millions of followers, you know. So so sure, like there are all these barriers to entry, if you will, from a, a sort of near term, like how does this benefit us sort of way. But in the long term, in the long term, it makes so much sense for news organizations to have their own instances set up in the Fediverse, possibly more than any other type of organization except maybe government. And it's interesting they mention, you know, like the EU has an instance set up, right? Like governments and news organizations and, and other, other places that are sort of like part of the fabric of civil society. It makes so much sense for them to be in control of their own instances and to be able to send out information on platforms they have control over. And then it all gets woven together via ActivityPub. Uh, so this is really exciting. It's it's really exciting to see the BBC do this. Um, now there has been some chatter uh, from folks, you know, who who are like instance admins or whatever, who are considering defederating from the BBC's instance because they don't like, you know, the the sort of content BBC promotes. Perhaps like you know, the BBC is known for giving a voice to a lot of anti-trans folks turfs and so forth. And so instances that are run by queer people, trans people, etc., are understandably upset that, um, you know, this sort of potentially anti-trans or anti-queer content could be promoted by this new BBC instance. Uh, so they're, they're maybe going to defederate. And, you know, like, that's totally their right. It's totally the right of their instance to do so. And Honestly, like I've seen some folks grumble about that thought, right? <laughs> the folks grumbling about the people who are grumbling. And I'm like, no way. Like instance admins have 
the right to decide if they want to defederate from another instance that they think is going to be promoting bad or poor or offensive content primarily, right? Like if, if a whole bunch of in the, what in their minds constitutes bad content is being produced by that instance, they have the right to defederate. Now, some of the folks on that instance might end up disagreeing, but that's their right too, you know, if they if they aren't able to sway the minds of the instance admins, uh, they're more than welcome to migrate to another instance. People migrate across instances all the time in the Fediverse. It's a pain, but it works, it's possible, and, you know, over time as, as migration uh, capabilities get easier and easier, which is really an area of focus for people that work on, you know, on the software and on, on the ActivityPub spec. Uh, you know, as it becomes even easier to migrate across instances, um, you know, that is the avenue people have if they disagree with the defederation uh, decisions by their own instance moderators. So I don't have any beef with folks that want to defederate from this BBC instance. Um, you know, as for me, I, I don't have any particular interest personally in BBC content. I don't really engage with their content. So, you know, I don't have any reason to need to engage here myself. But just the fact that an organization like the BBC is running this experiment and is communicating what they're trying to do in terms that are really interesting and, and thoughtful and exciting for uh, the future of the Fediverse, uh, I think is is worthy of acknowledging and contemplating and, and certainly keeping an eye on over the next few months. All right, folks. Well, if Fresh Fusion were officially in its phase of having a bonus version of it uh, behind a paywall, as is my plan for later this year, I would end the free episode here and say farewell and if you were a subscriber, you would be able to hear the bonus segment, which I'm calling Fusion Plus. Uh, but since this service isn't active yet, you all get Fusion Plus for free. So congratulations. <laughs> and in today's Fusion Plus segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about X. <laughs> X. <laughs> The social platform formerly known as Twitter, now called X. <laughs> it's so dumb, folks. It's so dumb. Oh, my gosh. So dumb. I mean, if, if I were going to run down all of the dumb things that have happened over the past couple of weeks surrounding X... <laughs> I I can't say it without laughing. Like I I I cannot take this name seriously. I just can't take it seriously. Like it's so dumb. The the logo is trash. Everybody thinks it's dumb. Like I've talked to my kids who, you know, aren't on Twitter really cuz they're not old enough to to even be interested in, let alone necessarily be appropriate for them to be on, you know, a a platform like a Twitter primarily text-based, 
lots of sort of adult level conversations going on, right? Like it's one thing for them to watch uh, goofy animated shorts on YouTube, but it's another thing entirely to be on something like a Twitter. Uh, but, you know, they, they've known of Twitter for a long time. And when I told them, oh, Twitter's gone, it's just X, like they were mystified. <laughs> They're like, oh, the cute bird. The bird is so cute. Why would anyone want to get rid of the cute bird? Right? Like, why would, why would anyone want to get rid of tweets? It's so cute. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's really dumb. Who the hell cares about X? <laughs> I, I mean, is X a cool letter? I guess. I mean, I like the letter J, personally. J for Jared, right? Like, I like J. Maybe somebody else likes, I don't know, C, right? Like, <laughs> who cares it's just dumb it's really dumb and in a long in a long line of really dumb things that elon musk has done to incrementally destroy twitter like this truly is the final straw because there's no more twitter in fact it bothers me that a lot of news outlets and a lot of people talking about like the latest developments, like like folks were just saying that Kanye's account's been reinstated on Twitter. And I'm like, his account hasn't been reinstated on Twitter. There's no more Twitter. Twitter is gone. Twitter has been set out to pasture and we just have X. So whatever the thing is that Kanye's back on, it's X. It's not Twitter. Twitter is gone. There are no more tweets, no more retweets, no more, right? No more Bluebird. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll put one link in the show notes here because it's just more goofiness. Uh, so, so Apple, this is a little bit fascinating, really. Uh, Apple's had a policy on the App Store that you can't have one letter app names, right? Because there aren't that many letters. <laughs> so, you know, instead of like Apple deciding like who gets, you know, Z and who gets Y and who gets B and who gets G and who gets A and who gets, I guess Apple could get A, <laughs> who gets I, right? Instead of like deciding who gets this very small namespace, um, they just had a blanket policy that you couldn't have one letter app names on the app store. Well, <laughs> they gave Elon the green light for some reason. So Elon got his way, and now you can just have X on your home screen. Like, literally X. The app name is X, and it's that stupid logo, and that's what's now going to be on iPhones everywhere. And they've even changed the tagline for the app listing in the App Store. It's now blaze your glory, exclamation point, exclamation point. Blaze your glory. <laughs> well, I, I don't actually know if the double exclamation points are in the App Store, but that's what Elon X'd. X'd? <laughs> X-posted? Exposed? I I don't even know. It, it, what is there even to say anymore? I I think I think my only real commentary at this point is kind of 
marveling at so many folks in denial about what is happening. Like, there are still people on X acting like it's just a continuation of their experience of Twitter from the past, right? Like, like it's, it's, it's just an evolution of Twitter. It's just Twitter kind of, you know, changing and morphing as web services always do. You know, Facebook's gone through many changes. Instagram's gone through changes. Uh, even YouTube's gone through changes over the years, over the decades. So this, these are just changes. And maybe some of the changes are really annoying, but you get used to it. No. No. The social network you were a part of that was called Twitter is gone. It's gone. It's dead. That social network no longer exists. That platform no longer exists. Elon Musk purchased, acquired Twitter, and has now ported over the user base from the now dead product to a new product called X. You have to think about it like this. Yes, technically, maybe that's not entirely true. It's not like it's not like he turned off an old code base entirely and just switched on an entirely new code base. I realize that. But for all intents and purposes, Twitter has been shut down and X has been started up. So you have to ask yourself, are you willing to participate in this new social network run by Elon Musk called X? Do you like interacting with lots of Nazis? <laughs> Do you like supporting a platform run by a guy who is blatantly anti-trans to the point of denigrating his own child? I mean, I could go on and on about what a scumbag this guy is. Like a real dirtbag. Elon Musk, possibly one of the most disappointing figures in the modern history of tech. I mean, I used to admire the guy. I really did. I used to think he was perhaps kind of a genius, right? Like the next Steve Jobs. <laughs> and I wrote about this on my site a little while back, The Elongated Man. Uh, <laughs> you know, just like this idea that, you know, these great titans of industry come along and, and do these great deeds, you know the Steve Jobses of the world now that we're in the computer age. And, you know, Steve Jobs certainly wasn't a perfect guy. He really was kind of a jerk in many ways. But I think we can all agree that he had some pretty good ideas. And he made a few pretty good decisions. Decisions that helped lead to the development of, you know, the original iMac, turned the company around after it was practically dead, right? Like Apple was on its last legs. Some people legitimately thought the company was going to go under. Uh, and Steve Jobs, you know, famously found this guy hanging out in the industrial design department, kind of ready to leave because he was so uh, disillusioned and morale was low. Of course, talking about Johnny Ive. Jobs found Johnny Ive just kind of toiling away in obscurity, very frustrated, about ready to quit, and recognized this guy's talent and said, hey, Johnny, I'd like you to lead an effort to come up with a, with a new computer design that's going to get people talking, right? 
And this partnership, this great partnership between Jobs and Ive, uh, you know, led to the iMac, the iPod, the iPhone, iPad, so many iconic products that truly have changed industries, right? So we can legitimately say that Jobs did some great things in his tenure leading Apple. Now, I'm willing even now to say that Musk has done some good things in times past running Tesla and running SpaceX. And I'll focus on those two companies because, you know, they're the most flashy, right? Like kicking the car industry's butt and showing them like, here's how you build an electric vehicle that gets people talking, right? Like we should never minimize that. that. That was an accomplishment for sure. That was a real accomplishment. And, you know, starting a company that could uh, show NASA a thing or two and and get, uh, you know, reusable vehicles going up to space and back. Like, that was a big deal. And, and of course, like, by no means did Musk personally, like, do and invent all this stuff. Nobody's saying that. But, you know, same with Jobs. Like, Jobs didn't personally design an iPod, right? But they're, you know, they're the people at the top of the food chain who make decisions and those decisions leads to the development of products. So, so let's give Elon Musk, you know, a pass here on on this front, right? Like developing an electric vehicle at Tesla, developing reusable rockets, space vehicles, what have you, at SpaceX, cool. You know, he could have just retired after that and said, "Hey, like I did some cool stuff. I'm ready to take my bazillions and go, you know, sail around the world and, you know, hang out with whatever attractive ladies catch my eye and like be be a rich D-bag and it's fine. Right. (laughs) And everyone, everybody would have said fine. But yet what ends up happening is he starts running Tesla into the ground with all this ridiculous stuff about lying about what self-driving capabilities were coming out and how they would work, just outright lying about safety, lying about range, you know, treating workers like crap, just, you know, a multi-year long string of problems with with how he treats people, you know, going back to the start of COVID, right? Like he was saying all this ridiculous stuff about like COVID's not really a thing and nobody has to worry about and trying to get people to come back into factories who are trying to stay away out of safety concerns, right? Like, things were going sideways then in 2020. (laughs) Fast forward to now, and like every single thing this guy has done since the initial announcement that he wanted to acquire Twitter, like every single thing has been terrible. Terrible. And you have to ask yourself, how is it possible that a guy that seemingly was, you know, this wonder kind, you know, new leader of tech that people could look up to and admire, like, he's a really bad dude at this point. Just really bad dude. Like, like Trump level of awfulness. Even doing many of the same things Trump does, like just stiff people right and left. Like, I'm not going to pay you. I'm a rich guy, but I don't feel like paying you. So I'm not. So to, to, to kind of emphasize the point of this rant, like 
like I know many people now know Elon's a bad guy. So you have to ask yourself, why would this bad guy starting a new social network called X deserve any of our attention at all? Like just ignore the douchebag, ignore him, ignore his social network, ignore him, ignore his efforts. Just say no. Just say no. So it continues to mystify me, frustrate me, like really grind my gears. <laughs> sort of a joke there. <laughs> really grinds my gears <laughs> that uh, that this this absolute scumbag of a human, Elon Musk, is somehow not sufficiently awful enough to get people to not participate in his new social media platform. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I mean, I still have friends. I still have friends who are web developers. I still know, you know, plenty of people working at companies trying to promote their stuff. All participating in X. And I'm like, why? Just ignore the guy and move on, right? Like, like I don't have any love for Mark Zuckerberg, but threads, it's a thing now. Just go use that. I'm not even asking you to join Mastodon or set up your own instance or have anything to do with the Fediverse. I'm just asking you to go anywhere. Anywhere except X. Anywhere except X. I mean, that, that should be the mantra now. Anywhere, anyone, anything but X. Because as far as I'm concerned, X is the Nazi bar, right? Have you, have you heard that? that phrase, the Nazi bar, right? Like, like if you walk into a bar and there's a whole bunch of people hanging out and over in the corner, there's a couple of Nazis, like outright Nazis. And nobody's asking them to leave. Nobody's asking the Nazis at the bar that they have to leave. They can't be Nazis in the bar. If they want to be Nazis, they got to leave the bar and go be Nazis somewhere else. If you see them at the bar and nobody's telling them they have to leave, guess what? You're in a Nazi bar. It's a Nazi bar. It can't be just a regular bar if there's a couple Nazis hanging out there and that's okay. Right? Like this this analogy makes sense to us because you know, it it's it's you know, it's like so many other analogies. A, a rotten apple spoils the barrel, you know. Uh, if you got a little bit of rotten milk <laughs> getting poured into your cereal bowl, like, all of your cereal is going to taste rotten. Like, even if most of the milk is not rotten. <laughs> like, whatever analogy you want to come up with. Like, like, a little bit of the garbage getting mixed in with, you know, otherwise somewhat decent stuff. Everything turns to garbage. This is why moderators of all kinds of internet communities since the dawn of the internet <laughs> have had to put in some real effort to kick out the trolls and kick out the, the bad actors and the instigators because, you know, you can have a healthy community and then let a small number, a relatively small number of truly bad actors take over and dominate the conversation. And pretty soon all of the conversation is bad because the people of goodwill, the decent folks, they'll leave, Right. Like, the folks at the Nazi bar who aren't Nazis eventually will get wise to the fact that the Nazis are hanging out there, and they'll leave. 
And then it truly will be a Nazi bar, because the only people who are left are people who are pro-Nazi. That's how this stuff works. So I just don't understand why people want to participate in this new social network called X when it's the Nazi bar social network. I just don't understand it, and it really bothers me. But I think you've heard enough of my rant here on the Fusion Plus segment, so I will now come to a close. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Fresh Fusion. My name is Jared White. You can find information all about me at jaredwhite.com. Listen to past episodes of the show at jaredwhite.com slash podcast. Thanks once again, and until next time, bye-bye.